0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers go defense again, selecting Iowa edge rusher Lucas Van Ness with their first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. What do we think about this pick? And more importantly, how does the Packers' new pass rusher fit with what they've got already? Blue Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of the ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Muirdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. The first round is Still underway as we record here, but the Packers have made their pick and we're monitoring to see if they would do something wild and crazy like trade up into the bottom of the first round to maybe get one of the tight ends still available. But for right now, it's Lucas Van Ness, the Iowa pass rusher joining the Packers who needed one for sure. Not necessarily the most thrilling pick in the world. I know a lot of people really were excited about uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba being there at 13. The Packers really had their pick of the litter at 13 in a variety of positions, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But my gut level reaction is that this definitely fits the mold of what the Packers do. It fits a clear need, and it gives the Packers insurance in the short term and flexibility in the long term at an important position with a guy who has a lot of really positive traits. Now, there are some some maybe downsides to taking Lucas Van Ness, but overall, if you're looking for a solid, I don't want to say low risk pick necessarily because every pick has risk, and there is some risk with with Van Ness, but a guy who fits everything that has basically worked philosophically for the Packers—you know, betting on traits, betting on upside—this is exactly that sort of pick, and they get him in ahead of the the New England Patriots, who were apparently very interested. Across the board, it seems like this checks a lot of boxes for the Packers. But before we dive into Van Ness, let's take a look at how the Packers got to this point. What happened to get the Packers to a position where they could draft Lucas Van Ness 13th? The board seemed to break pretty well for the Packers here, which is a a pretty significant contrast to where we've been 2020, 2021, even 2022 in a lot of different ways. This seemed to go pretty well for the Packers. Three quarterbacks in the first four picks is an amazing start, was an amazing start. And then you've got Houston getting a little bit wild and crazy and going back up to get Will Anderson up there. That was a lot of fun. Is that a great idea? Well, you might come out of those two picks with the best player in this draft and then the best quarterback in the draft. Shoot, I think that's a lot of of great stuff to get out of two picks. Uh, But then Devin Witherspoon going maybe a little bit high, but not necessarily super high. Bijan Robinson going eighth. Amazing for the Packers. The Titans going with uh, uh, Peter Skaronsky instead of Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then the Lions uh, getting a little bit wild and crazy in there too. Only small bummer, really Darnell Wright going to the Bears, but certainly can't complain about that given where the board was when the Packers picked. Really just one guy. On our radar off the board. So when the Packers come up at 13th, you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba there out of Ohio State. You've got Oregon cornerback Christian Gonzalez, the big offensive lineman Broderick Jones, Van Ness, of course, and Miles Murphy. Out of the five guys that we talked about the Packers picking in our final preview episode, that's our two edges plus plus Jackson Smith and Jigba and all the tight ends, including Michael Mayer, the guy that I I thought might be in play there at 13th. But seriously, it's, they had their pick of the guys, and they're picking a guy with a lot of upside. So let's talk about Van Ness. Six foot four, 272 pounds, a relative athletic score overall of 9.39. And you've got to start digging into his numbers a little bit more to really understand what you're getting as an athletic prospect. So let's do that. Van Ness, the movement numbers elite across the board, Four five eight forty yard dash, more than enough. For a guy his size. Elite numbers in both the short shuttle and the three cone drill. But if you're starting to look for holes in the athletic profile, you would express some concern over the explosion numbers. So that's your leaping numbers and your broad jump. The 31 inch vertical is not great. And the 9 foot 10 inch broad jump is good, but not exceptional. He also had only 17 bench press reps. Bench press is not everything when it comes to strength. I think it's probably a little bit overrated, but 17 bench reps is not great for a guy whose main calling card is strength, whose nickname is Hercules. You would expect, I think, a little bit more than 17. Maybe he can do more than 17, and it was just a bad day. I think, honestly, you're, you're a little bit more concerned about the strength from, like, core through knees with an edge rusher, defensive lineman type. But the bench is a notable data point here. For comparison, just to kind of contextualize things for you, Let's look at Rashawn Gary, the last high-edge rusher pick the Packers have taken. Gary was almost an inch shorter, but he ran a 4 40-yard dash at 277 pounds, same exact speed, just 5 pounds heavier. He posted a 38-inch vertical and a 10-foot broad jump. Better in the vertical, slightly better in the broad jump. The agility numbers were about identical. Gary posted significantly better numbers on the bench press. Forgot to write this one down. I think it was 28 reps at 225 versus Van Ness' 17, so significantly stronger there. But overall, I think, and don't take this as a one-to-one comparison, but you're looking at a guy who compares favorably in an athletic sense to Rashawn Gary. If you want an even closer comparison, the website MockDraftable.com really lines guys up in terms of similarity. They say he's pretty close to where Preston Smith was athletically. They're like 86% similar, which is a pretty strong similarity score between those two. Take that for whatever it's worth. Van Ness is an athletic, edge-rushing prospect. That is what you want at that position if you're going to take one, really, at all. If you're going to take one in the top half of the draft, certainly you're going to want a guy who is a very good athlete. The overall impression here is that the Packers drafted a pass rusher who is going to rush the passer. He's going to be a pass rush basically specialist, I think especially early on, but they're going to need him to add to his game. But he's also a very versatile piece that I think could dovetail really well with the other edge rushers that they have on the roster. So let's dive into the good stuff here. Overall, Van Ness is a very productive player. Not as productive as the like the ultra-high-end guys in the class. We would have described him as a Tier 2 prospect in our measuring. But he's clearly athletic, which is the big box that we look to get checked there. His production ratio, a 1.23, which was below what we look for, but still very respectable. Tackles for loss and sacks divided by games played gets you that figure. We're looking for about a 1.5. He's at a 1.23. He had 19 tackles for loss, 13 sacks in 28, 26 career games Excuse me, at Iowa. His career pressure rate, 13.68%. Our cutoff is 12%. We look for people to break that number. He's clearly there. He's also pretty versatile. People are going to talk about his ability to kick inside. I think that undersells it a little bit. He can play significant snaps inside. Had 155 snaps, in fact, as a defensive tackle in 2022. And really, he takes snaps all over. It's not that that is something he's just doing occasionally. He plays significant snaps as an interior rusher. Pro Football Focus charts 10 different alignments for an outside linebacker, edge, or defensive lineman type player. He had at least 65 snaps at four of those 10 spots and had noteworthy snaps at all of them. He had at least 65 at both defensive tackle spots, so left and right defensive tackle, like a three technique rusher over guard, uh, as a stand up left end and a stand up right end. He moved around a lot for Iowa. He also played nearly 400 snaps purely as a defensive tackle, and interior rusher, in 2021. So he can play both inside and outside. That kind of cuts both ways, though. Because if you want long-term success, you want a, a guy who grabbed one position and just held it for a long, long time, you have to look elsewhere other than Lucas Van Ness. We had 46 edge rushers in our data set for this year's draft preview. Van Ness was one of 11 who had fewer than career, 30 career games played. In the same edge class, Van Ness had the 8th fewest edge snaps. He just didn't play all that much at Iowa. I know that the starting numbers are a little bit overblown. Iowa runs kind of a seniority system. The guys who are juniors and seniors are going to get more opportunities to be those starters, If it, at least if it's only in name, they'll still be the starter, Even so, Van Ness didn't play just tons and tons of snaps compared to some of these other high-end prospects. In light of that, I think we have to wonder a little bit about some of his productivity numbers. His pressure rate numbers are very great. Over 13%, really, really solid. However, there were 16 edge players who had a pressure rate of at least 13% in their career in that edge data set that we looked at. None of them played fewer games than Lucas Van Ness at 26. None of them. So while it's good that he can put up those numbers, or did put up those numbers, he also did it playing not that many snaps. And you start to wonder, at what point do those snaps really stabilize? At what point do those numbers start to really reflect how good of a player you are? Is it at about 500 snaps, which is where he was, at or about 500 snaps over two seasons playing significant snaps at Iowa? If so, the Packers are in business. If not, if you got to play more than that to really get a good idea what he is as a pass rusher, Van Ness may be a little bit of fool's gold in that respect. As it stands, 68 career pressures on 497 career pass rush snaps. The bottom line for me is that he feels like a little bit of a project. But maybe this is a good time to take a bit of a project. If you go into this draft with the premise that 2023 is going to be a bit of a rebuilding year. Maybe you're trying to start peaking in 2024 and beyond. So in that scenario, Van Ness spends 2024 learning how to be an edge rusher, and then you pair him with a fully healthy Rashawn Gary in 2024 and Kingsley or JJ and Igbari, as well as maybe your third rush, edge rusher, and away you go. That's when you really start to... to look at what Van Ness can really be as a player. Because if this year is kind of a scholarship year, a redshirt year, figure it out. Well, that's worked for the Packers before. Rashawn Gary kind of did that in 2019. And by 2020, 2021, 2022, he was really starting to come on as a player. That's where the Packers probably need Van Ness to be. If you start looking at this as a rebuild, the Packers are really going to be looking to contend in 2024 when they've got two first-round picks and beyond. You just... Keep building for that future, and, well, maybe you get something out of Van Ness in that future. But I think it's fair to say it's going to be a little bit of a process here for Van Ness. This is going to be a development curve that we're going to have to watch. That is, I think that's fair to say. I don't think that's a criticism of Van Ness or even that much of a criticism of the pick. It's just a reality of the pick. He's going to need some time, and the Packers seem to be comfortable with that. Whether that time invested makes him a better prospect in the short and long term than somebody like, say, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think is a fair question and one we're going to need some time to answer. But such is the case with just about every draft pick. That is a process that everybody has to go through. Let's take a look at what some of the pros are saying uh, about Van Ness, pro football focus. Their overall opinion of him was a pretty solid prospect. They wrote, quote, Van Ness is as strong as they come in terms of pass rushing ability. Known for his power rush, he was able to generate 46 pressures and nine sacks this past season for the Hawkeyes. He was one of the reasons Iowa had such a dominant defense. Vanessa is always also better against the run than most defensive ends in his class finishing with an 80.9 run defense grade in 2022. If he can continue to improve his pass rushing moves, look out for him at the next level, end quote. The note there that he's a bit of uh, a one-move pass rusher is true. I don't know how much of a criticism that really is because I think It's fair to say that a guy like Van Ness is a one-move pass rusher, but the Packers have some pretty effective, I think, one-move pass rushers in their rotation already. Rashawn Gary is not a terribly sophisticated pass rusher, but what he is is an effective pass rusher. The same is true, I think, for Preston Smith, who knows how and where to get to the quarterback, even with a fairly limited pass rushing arsenal. In fact, I bet that would probably be the case for most of the edge rushers that are fairly productive in the NFL. The super-duper high-end guys... Yeah, they've got every pass rushing move that you can think of, but I think in that second tier of guys, the guys that are still very good to even just above average, most of them are going to be pretty limited. And if you've got one move that you can do really well, even if if it is just the one move, if it's one really good move, uh, you can still make a lot of money and do a lot of good things in the NFL. Because the fact of the matter is there aren't just a ton of players who are good at everything in the NFL and, and asking especially young pass rushers to come in and be like, well, he's he's got, you know, eight different counter moves that he can do off a of basic pass rush. That would be nice, but I don't think that's really going to be the case because for most of these guys, they haven't had to learn how to be a pass rusher to this point because you can get by with just being an elite athlete. A guy with a sophisticated pass rush arsenal coming in probably has had to compensate for some stuff, and most of the guys who don't have to compensate for not being a great athlete just simply don't learn how to do it. Again, it's going to be a process, but that's that's the case with a lot of young edge rushers. Get an athlete, coach him up, and see how things turn out. And if that's the playbook, and it's, it's a playbook that's worked before for the Packers, Van Ness seems to dovetail pretty well with that uh, that sort of approach. Dane Brugler writes, quote, coming off the bench at Iowa, Van Ness was primarily an edge rusher in defensive coordinator, Phil Parker's four-man front, but he also saw significant snaps inside over the B gap. The Iowa coaches reward seniority. There's that note we talked about. So, John Wagoner and Joan Evans started at the defensive end spots last season, but Van Ness had more defensive snaps than either and led the Hawkeyes in tackles for loss and sacks. Regardless of alignment, Van Nessen has high end tools with his length and play strength, which will allow him to wear down blockers as a pass rusher or stack, locate, and play off blocks in the run game. A hockey player most of his life, he credits his time on the ice for developing his balance, urgent play style, and competitive toughness. Overall, Van Ness needs to be coached up with his pass rush construction on overall pacing, but he's an ascending player and competes like a grizzly bear with his fierce power and explosive twitch. He has the same, or he has the upside of an impactful NFL starter with inside-outside versatility, regardless of scheme. It should also be noted, exiting Brugler's quote here, that Brugler had him as the 10th best player in the class. So by that metric, he was a value. The Packers got him at 13. He's the 10th best player in the in the class, there is some surplus value there. Let's look at one more of the big-name Pro Scouts here. Lance Zerline for NFL.com writes, nicknamed Hercules by teammates, Van Ness is a well-developed defensive end with excellent lean mass and additional growth still to come. He's a power-centric prospect with force as his modus operandi. As both a run defender and pass rusher, Van Ness needs to work on hand attacks for quicker block shedding and to diversify his rush beyond bull rush challenges. He's taken snaps inside at Iowa, but might need to keep filling out his frame before he's ready to succeed as a run stuffer and pass rusher as a 4-I in a 3-4 front. Van Ness is more of a splash player than consistent force on tape, but he possesses projectable traits that should allow for continued ascension as a pro. So how does he fit with what the Packers have right now? Well, what the Packers have right now at edge is really Preston Smith, Kingsley and Igbari, and Justin Hollins. That is really the edge rusher stuff that matters. So the obvious fit, to me, is putting Van Ness opposite Preston Smith as the quarterback hunter. The designated pass rusher, the guy who's just going to be getting after the quarterback and not really worrying about a whole lot of other stuff. He's rushing the quarterback, and that's going to be his job. That appeals to me for a few reasons. First, it seems to be his strength. Getting after the quarterback is what he does well. He can play the run off of that, sure. But just getting after the quarterback seems to be what he does well, regardless of where he's lined up. Second, Preston can still do what he does best at the other outside linebacker, edge rusher spot. He can play the run. He can be selective in his pass rushers, get those pass rushes, get those cleanups uh, sacks that he's really perfected over the past couple years in Green Bay, drop into coverage if they need him to. He can do it all, uh, and they'll need him to do it all because with Rashawn Gary out, Smith is going to have to be really in a pretty big role again. And the Packers are going to need him to take over that role and continue to be consistent here uh, as he continues to be a force for the Packers here well into his Packers tenure. It also allows the Packers to avoid having to rush Rashawn Gary back with Van Ness there. You've got, in theory, a starting pass rusher. You've got a starting edge player. You've got a starting outside linebacker. You don't have to lean lean on Kingsley Inigbari. You don't have to lean on Justin Hollins all that much. You don't have to hope that Rashawn Gary can come back in week one or week two. You can let him get back in October maybe or, or take a little bit more time just to get back while Van Ness holds down the fort in a pretty simple, simplified role, kind of comparable to maybe a Rashawn Gary light, I guess not asking overly much of him in terms of the more nuanced aspects of playing in the Packers' defense, but just letting him kind of get after the passer and and go from there. I think that is a good way to use a guy with Van Ness' skill set here early in his career. And finally, you can bump him inside and turn uh, Kingsley and Igbari and Justin Holland loose on the outside on obvious passing downs. That seems to be an asset here, too. Line him up next to Kenny Clark a, a three-down set of Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, and Lucas Van Ness rushing as your defensive lineman on passing downs with Preston Smith and J.J. kingsley and Igbare on the outside, that's a pass-rushing group that works for me. I like that a lot, and you don't have to rely then in those sorts of situations on a guy like, shoot, Jonathan Ford rushing the passer, T.J. Slayton rushing the passer, you can use your athletic guys up front to get after the quarterback in your third and medium, third and long situations without losing a ton as a, a run-stopping front. That seems to be a win for me. And overall, I, th- I think we can't overlook the fact that the Packers added another elite athlete to their front seven. So you've got, at his best, you've got Rashawn Gary, you've got Devontae Wyatt, You've got Koi Walker. That's a lot of athleticism up front just added to the Packers' defense in the past two drafts. If you've got a defense that can take advantage of that, you might have something there. Looking ahead then, what do the Packers need going from here? The Packers need weapons. Look at their wide receiver room right now. You've got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Touré, Bo Melton, and Jeff Cotton. And to be honest, I don't think we've even talked about Jeff Cotton on this podcast. And if I haven't even talked about him We have dug beyond the bottom of the barrel because I make it a point to talk about just about everybody the Packers sign to some extent. And if we haven't gotten to Jeff Cotton yet, the overall prognosis there is not super good about your long-term NFL, you know, your long-term NFL future, what you could contribute as a player. Unless you think I'm leaving somebody out, futures contracts, practice squad, we don't have that right now. The five receivers the Packers have is it. That is the depth chart. That is all of it. And it's even worse at tight end. The Packers tight ends right now, in total, are these. Josiah Deguara, Tyler Davis, Austin Allen, and Nick Gugamos. I know we've talked about Nick Gugamos, but we haven't talked about him a whole lot. And really, that is a pretty limited group of guys there. Tight end three right now is Austin Allen. And I was a big fan of his pre-draft last year and I am not super optimistic about what he could bring to the Packers this season. The Packers need to add talent at receiver and tight end and probably a running back in there too. They've got work to do on the offensive side of the ball. And a big reason that I've kept, you know, kind of monitoring what the Packers have done over the past, you know, while we've been recording this, keeping an eye on just the draft tracker stuff like that is just on the outside chance that they decide that they want to add more talent on def- or on offense after throwing another pick at the defense. Because the big reason the Packers are in the situation they're in at receiver and tight end, that they barely invested at those spots over the past shoot since 2018. Since Marquez Valdez-Scantling and the other uh, receivers joined the Packers that year, Jamon Moore and Equinemia St. Brown, it's been basically Amari Rodgers, And Josiah Deguara, and that's really it until last spring where the Packers added Watson and Dobbs and Torrey. And the reason that they need two year two guys to take big leaps is because you just haven't been adding much to those positions in the last half decade. Now's the time. Now's the time to start doing it. And they've still got some good options available, I think, at both receiver and tight end. Maybe edge rusher too if they want to double dip. Coming up for the Packers, they have three day two picks on the way, 42 and 45 in the second round and 78 in the third round. Plenty of good prospects yet to to come, and I'm confident that they can find some good picks here as the Packers continue to wind their way through this year's version of the NFL draft, and we'll be right there to cover them when they eventually happen you can expect to hear from us again on Sunday night after we are through the draft we'll recap day, days 2 and 3 and see what the packers did uh in the second half really of the 2023 NFL draft it's a lot of it's a lot of fun this first round was a great great exercise in in watching different team building philosophies i enjoyed it a lot and uh, we'll see what comes for the Packers and for everybody else in day two and beyond. And uh, I'm excited to see what they do. Hope you enjoyed this episode uh, because that's all I've got for you. In the meantime, uh, do me a favor and share it with someone you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation. You and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.